Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Thursday, April 16, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And Jalen Green, five-star prospect of the class of 2020, who is a projected top two pick in the 2021 NBA draft, has announced that he is skipping college. No Memphis, no Auburn, no Oregon, no Fresno State. He's headed to the G League. It's a new deal with fresh circumstances. He's going to be joining a G League development program that's based in Southern California. He'll have professional coaching. He'll be teamed with other elite prospects and veteran players. They'll train and play exhibitions. They'll go through life skills programs. It's basically a one-and-done academy for elite prospects. And Jalen Green will reportedly earn, by doing this, roughly $500,000. Norlander, your thoughts on this big development in the world of basketball. Is this worth it for the NBA and the G League to do this? That's my first thought. Uh, $500,000 is, uh, in some ways, pennies, obviously, to that league. It's not nothing. It says a lot that the NBA and its G League needed to up the ante to at least half a million to entice these kinds of players. But... What are you doing this for, and what's the payoff here? These games are not going to be broadcast on television. The NBA G League in general probably is going to be facing some economical issues when you look at franchises that are doing uh, belt tightening, industries across America doing belt tightening, and you are changing the very fabric of your G League. It's actually an indictment on the G League that in order to maybe hopefully get three, four, five of the top 25 prospects in a given year over the next few years, you need to basically gimmick up your league and by all means if you're the NBA and you think this is worth it go ahead and do it I understand why it's worth it for Jalen Green you're getting legitimate money you don't have to go to school if you don't want to go to school and you get good training you're going to get to play against uh, grown men anywhere from the ages of 22 to 28 29 years old it's it's a great chance to prove yourself or expose yourself but on the NBA side Paris why do you think this is worth it to do this um I'll be honest, that was my initial question. Like, what is the win here for the NBA? Because, um, you know, you can evaluate prospects in college, you know, uh, uh, seemingly as thoroughly as you can evaluate them in a controlled setting like this will be, uh, perhaps even 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 more so. And, you know, uh, Jalen Green entering the NBA after being a college star playing on national television two times a week for four months, seems like it would be more beneficial for the NBA than Jalen Green disappearing for a year before he's selected number one or number two or number three in the 2021 NBA draft. So, um, you know, just based on those thoughts alone, I'm like, why would the NBA want to do this? And it seems that the answer is because of the NBL. There was an interesting quote from Sharif Abdurrahim, who is sort of uh, spearheading this thing. And it, it, it seemed to suggest that if the elite prospects would just go to college, they'd be fine with them just going to college. In fact, they might prefer it. But what was happening was that the elite prospects were choosing to skip college and going to Australia, at which point 
NBA franchises have to go to Australia to scout the prospects. And they just didn't want to do that anymore. Like, let's keep the best prospects in America in America. If that's college basketball, fine. Uh, but if it's going to be Australia, then we need to set up a system that 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 pre- presents a viable alternative to that. So they're not really trying to lure. It, it appears to me prospects away from college as much as they're trying to prevent prospects from leaving the country for a year. I think that makes some sense. And in terms of like you know scouting, scenes people in person and, and avoiding as much as you can flying overseas. I guess I still think that's going to probably happen. Anyway, so uh, interesting case to be made there. I, you know, this has happened within the past hour of us doing this podcast, and we wanted to get something out here, obviously for for our college troops listeners and those who are plenty are interested in the NBA and the NBA draft with all that. And you're going to hear, you know, how this is a threat to the NCAA in college basketball in some ways. Sure, I guess. Um, what here was the key piece uh, from uh, the story between Jonathan Gavoni and Adrian Wojnarowski, which is something I have maintained throughout this as people have kind of haphazardly just assumed that the uh, the age minimum for the NBA was going to just drop because it kind of was floated out there. There's never been a guarantee that's going to happen. In fact, the reason why this is in place now is because they're, they're still at an impasse in terms of changing the age minimum, the way, where it stands right now. And so what you could have here, and we've got, you know, there's so, such a long way to go with all this. I, I, I'll be interested to see what comes in the next five years, both in terms of the relative solvency of the G League, um, if it becomes a desirable thing for high school players to want to do this. Again, there's a big difference between going to Kentucky and Duke, being on television 26 to 38 times a year, and then going in the G League, you know, flying, flying coach, bus league stuff, and gyms that are 22% full. You know, you're just not out there as much. Now, you do have earning opportunity. That's not nothing, Parrish, but and Zion Williamson will be the ever-referenced player in this, as he should be. If Zion Williamson was provided this exact same opportunity and he took it, um, you will never be able to convince me that even if Zion Williamson went to the G League and, you know, uh, video from the 17th row of the bleachers was featured of him on SportsCenter once a week going nuts and balling out against those dudes, you still won't convince me that his earning p- potential and capacity would have matched what he was able to do at Duke. You consider the facilities, particularly when you go to a college campus and you see that all these what these programs have to offer. Uh, college basketball is not under some existential threat. It's not a good thing that a Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, who's backed out of Michigan, it's not a good thing for college basketball that those guys aren't going to be there. But the bigger threat to the sport, and we'll get more into this, I think, in later podcasts uh, as we get closer to whenever the draft is, the bigger threat is when you've got guys who are leaving as sophomores and juniors who set up to be a top 10 player in a given league on a surefire draft pick and they leave anyway. That, to me, is the bigger thing. When you don't get, and these guys stayed, but if you don't get a Peyton Pritchard, you don't get a Marcus Howard, you don't get a Miles Powell, that's a bigger deal in general. College basketball, Parrish has already been through this. Mid to late 90s, up until 06. You could have guys leave, really good talented players, never went. Guess what? College basketball still was fine. You had one of the best Duke teams of all time play a great UConn team in 99. So I think the sport's going to be okay. I'll throw it back to you, but I just want to remind people that the kind of players that might be lured to this kind of stuff are the five-star prospects. Well, guess what? Here are some draft prospects this year that weren't five-stars, that went to college. These kind of players will still go to college, still be really good, still help their teams get to the NCAA tournament or otherwise. Jemias Ramsey, Texas Tech. 
32nd four-star prospect. Isaac Okoro, Auburn, going to be a top-five pick, was ranked 36th in his class. Kyra Lewis, ranked 39th in his class. Aaron Neesmith could be a top-ten pick. 64th, Sadiq Bey, 137. Tyrese Halliburton, 172. Devin Vassell could be a lottery pick. He was ranked 200th. That's not even getting into the rarities that is John Morant or Obi Toppin, who was not ranked, period. So you can, uh, you can definitely lose me on the inevitable hot takes that this is the NBA's biggest, truest threat to the existence of college basketball. That's straight up not going to happen. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, from 1995 to 2005, those are the exact dates, um, players were entering the NBA drafts directly out of high school. Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, Jermaine O'Neal, Amari Stoudemire. In total, it was 11 drafts, and college basketball was fine. Like, the arenas were still filled. People still watched it. I mean, it, it's a bit of a cliche, but it doesn't make it any less true. People watch college basketball because they love their college basketball programs. You know, Kentucky fans love Kentucky, regardless of who's in the uniform. You know, Indiana fans love Indiana, regardless of who's in the, in the uniform. As long as they're wearing Indiana uniforms and Duke uniforms and North Carolina uniforms and Kansas uniforms, um, there will still be an, an audience for that. Um, I'm not trying to pretend this is perfect or um, not something that lessens the sport. It was awesome having Kevin Durant in college. It was awesome having Derrick Rose in college. It was awesome having Anthony Davis in college. Um, you know, going forward, we might not have prospects of that caliber in college basketball. But when we went through the 11 years where such was the case, again, college basketball was fine. And if you look at the All-Americans this past year, let's just go through the CBS Sports first-teamers. Marcus Howard, Peyton Pritchard, Obi Toppin, Luca Garza, Yudoka Azabuki. None of them would even be considered for something like this coming out of high school. They would all still be college basketball players. So to me, really, this isn't about you know what it's going to mean for college basketball going forward. It means that maybe five of the or six have the best prospects in high school are going to to skip college. Again, we did this experiment once before for 11 years. College basketball survived it, was fine, flourished in spite of it. To me, the bigger question is like, is this a proper route for the elite prospects? Because you're exactly right. I could argue it either way. But as it relates to Zion Williamson, he probably made about $75 million by being on the stage that Duke and college basketball provided. Um, this G League situation is not going to put you in a position to have that type of earning potential before you become an NBA star. Zion Williamson got paid before he ever stepped on an NBA court because of the stardom um, he created while being a college basketball player. And though you will make real money doing this G League route, if given the opportunity, um, you do give up on the possibility of turning yourself into a Zion Williamson-like star. You're right. And um, I went on a little bit of a rant there, so I don't remember if I said this or not. But even Wojnarowski at Woj uh, said, quote, and this is from a tweet, as NBA and NBA Players Association talks on eliminating the one-and-done remains stalled, strengthening the pro-pathway initiative became more even more important to Adam Silver. So this is now seen as... I don't know how long of a term uh, for one year, two year, three or four years as the way that, OK, if we want to be able to provide an environment where players who don't want to go to college um, have an enticement to do it. Here it is. This has existed forever, by the way. You know, there's never you've never been forced to go to college basketball. I know, you know, this parish. I know 90 percent of our audience realizes this. This is just simply 
a new avenue. And again, it is an indictment upon the G League that it has to change the very fundamentals of its league. And that's fine, by the way. Evolve, change, get better, whatever you got to do. But this idea that we're going to, okay, here's what we'll, we'll do. We'll take however many we can get. If it's two, if it's four, hey, maybe if it's ten really good high school prospects, they're going to be on their own team. They're going to be based in Southern California. We're going to give them access to educational stuff, training, everything they could want. You know, this is going to be their their year abroad, if you will. And it, a, a prep a prep year to the the utmost value and degree. That's awesome, okay? And then what they're going to do is we're going to make stars of them, have them go and play in unconventional schedule. They're not going to play a typical G League schedule. It's not going to be a typical G League team. And maybe because of the very nature of that in this era of when you can produce highlights that get shared on social, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, the whole thing, maybe that's why we're going to be able to bring interest to this. And maybe there will be some, a little bit of that GP, but it's still not going to come close close to what colleges, the players themselves, while entitled and should be entitled to earning potential, it's still not going to be close to the exposure you get at the college level. Now, I will say this is another example of how, and this is to come soon, oh, by the way, as we try and keep track of everything on a daily basis amid this COVID-19 pandemic, um, the NCAA and its working group with the name, image, and likeness is going to be putting forth um, a package that apparently is is drawing optimism for how ambitious it might be. You and I both know we got to see it before we get there. But if anything else, this is just the latest to say, you know, if college basketball wants to remain as sturdy as possible and bring in the best players possible and retain them for guys that are fringe picks to begin with, this is another reason why you need to get this kind of uh, legislation on the books to allow it to happen immediately. And one more thing, Parrish here, and we got a tight podcast, so we got to squeeze in a bunch in a little bit of time here. I also want to see if this is straight up feasible for the G League going forward. Uh, who even there? There's already again preliminary, but based in science and at least trying to keep our feet on the ground. There are some that work at local governmental levels, particularly in California, where they don't think that having any kind of normal sports schedules happening deep into 2021, and I mean like with fans in attendance. So with all of that, how doable is this going to be? And again, return on investment. How much money is the NBA going to be willing to basically lose by fronting the G League and upping its salaries? And how is that going to impact the guys that are 24 that went to college, 26, 27, trying to make a roster? You you know, it's not a, a huge concern, but you've already got guys now that are probably going to be a little bit twisted by this um, to say, oh, okay, so a bunch of 18-year-olds you're going to bring into the league, you're going to treat them special. Am I going to stay on this $110,000 salary that, that I've got going on? And when can they even play games? They're going to want to be with their families. We're talking about 26, 28-year-old guys who are married, have a kid or two. Uh, there's a lot of, I think, logistical stuff still remains to be seen here. But Jalen Green, the point is he's the first player ranked in a top three, a top five since Brandon Jennings in 08 to decide I'm not going to go to college. Instead, I'm going to go uh, a different route. And for that, if nothing else, despite all the details we talked about, that is a notable, that is a headline-making kind of thing. Well, in terms of the return on the investment, I think it's largely unimportant. Um, You know, a few hundred thousand dollars to get a few prospects to come be a part of this academy, for lack of a better word, um, it really is pennies. Like the worst guy on any NBA roster is making that kind of money. So um, if and again, you know, you're you're not doing this strictly to keep players out of college basketball. Um, You're keeping them out of Australia. You want to keep them in the United States. So. Um, as a league, let's say you pay $500,000 to Jalen Green, you get him in what 
by all accounts, looks like a, um, a well-run, um, controlled setting, not a typical G League schedule like you pointed out. Um, so he's not at, at a normal risk of being exposed by older, more mature, physically mature players. Um, you're getting him in life skills programs. You are putting him around professionals. You know, uh, the way the announcement is made is that he will be on a team with, yes, a, other elite prospects, Isaiah Todd being one, but also older professional players. Well, they're going to handpick those guys, and they're going to be nothing but total pros, like people who uh, uh, train the right, right way, work the right way, do the right things. Um, so you're surrounding them with good people, and now you're saving – uh, every front office in the NBA, um, the time, the trouble, and the expenses of going to Australia. I, I think in that regard, it's um, it, it's money it's money well spent. the The question becomes: Is this a good idea for the Jalen Greens? Because okay, five hundred thousand dollars, you're making real money, undeniably. Um, but you know, how much is if you really thought you were on? a track to be a college star. Mm -hmm. How much is that worth? Probably worth more than $500,000. Like yes. Yeah. Kevin Durant coming out of Texas as the national player of the year was worth way more in terms of endorsements and shoe deals and all that stuff than had he just been a skinny kid who had disappeared for a year. Because the idea that you're going to put these players in the G League and then you're going to have exhibitions and like – People are going to you – know, it's just not true. People aren't going to go watch this stuff any more than they go watch the best baseball prospects play minor league baseball. Um, when the NBA was locked out back in late 2011, um, Rudy Gay had a ex exhibition game here in the Memphis area. LeBron James was there. Kevin Durant was there. It drew like 6,000 people. Like, you know, without the structure of the teams that people care about, um, you know, people aren't really that into just watching folks play basketball with no stakes that they care about. So college basketball is still going to be the thing that you know puts 18,000 people in an arena. The NBA is still going to be the thing. Just taking great prospects and putting them on a team that nobody cares about, it's not going to draw thousands and thousands of people. It's not going to draw – massive television audiences. So you're not going to be this well-known on billboard star coming out of this G League Academy. And whereas if you went to um, Memphis, if you're Jalen Green or Oregon or Auburn, you've got the chance. If you're legitimately the star you think you are, um, you've got a chance to enter the league as an, as an actual star, somebody they put on billboards and sell tickets with. How much is that worth? Um, probably more than $500,000. So I, I do think that's something that has has to be considered if you are this type of prospect. I'll never criticize anybody for doing it. You know, these guys probably shouldn't be in school no matter what. You know, they're not going to go be math teachers or CPAs or lawyers. They're going to be basketball players. Why not just get on with your basketball career? I understand it, but – um, the idea that they're picking between five hundred thousand dollars in the G League or nothing in college—that's that's not a a very good um, way to describe what these players are choosing between. Yeah, I would agree with that. A uh, bit of a false dichotomy there. But the last thing for me here is that um, Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd. We'll see if any others uh, this year or next choose to join him and how well they do. Just keep in mind. Um, you know, we have a relatively small sample size of of players who were considered, you know, top fifty prospects who have tr who have avoided college and either played overseas or, uh, you know, 
try the G League, uh, the G League route in general. Um, but like Darius basically didn't even do it after initially uh, saying he would after decommitting from Syracuse. And then like Brandon Jennings worked out pretty well for him. Emmanuel Moutier, okay. Terrence Ferguson, Mitchell Robinson, Anthony Simons. Just keep in mind, um, you know, there's no guarantee of this. And if we get to a spot three years from now where the age minimum hasn't changed, you've had 10 guys do this and it's made almost no dent. Um, we'll wait and see. It's creative. I give I give Silver and the Agility League a lot of credit for, for being creative with this, giving us something damn interesting to talk about. But this is, um, I think you hit the, on an important point. This is as much about competing with the NBL, which the G League, oh, by the way, is considered uh, to be a more competitive league and, and keeping prospects home in the States uh, for a number of reasons. But um, I will be interested to see what Jalen Green does whenever he plays. But we don't know when that is and how often we're even going to see him. And Isaiah Todd uh, remains to be seen. Whereas if and when we have a college basketball season next <laughs> next season, uh, we already know that the prospects that are going to be flirting with with draft status, we're going to have the opportunities to watch them literally 25, 30, 35 times so long as the season goes off as scheduled. One last point. And, um, you know, I do think it's it's more sensible today than it seemed three days ago when the reports were just Jalen Green's going to play in the G League. It's not a normal G League situation. That makes this more sensible. That said, you know, on a limited basis, he will still be competing against grown men, former college stars. And that does run the risk of of getting him exposed or at the very least looking something less than the way he would look if he was actually just dominating other college basketball players. Um, I, I think he'll be fine. I, I think he'll still be a top five pick no matter what. But if this does cost him a draft slot, it cost him more money than he made. I mean, one spot. Yes. I described him earlier as a consensus top two pick in the draft. Top two, the number two pick of the 2021 draft, based on the rookie scale, is guaranteed a two-year contract with $17.1 million. If that cost him one spot, he goes, plays against men, doesn't, you know, somebody sees something they don't like. Or, or more likely, somebody in college just blows up in college like John Morant, uh, then he becomes, uh, let's say, slips to the number three pick. Well, that's two years, $15.3 million. You just lost $1.8 million. If you slip from two to five, you go down to $12.5 million over two years. You just lost $4.6 million. So um, there's a financial risk involved as well. But I'm sure uh, he was talked through it and um, decided to do this anyway. I wish him nothing but luck. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. And we will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.